to you for that. Appreciate that good music. We were talking about that song just this morning. One of my favorites. Uh, wonderful message in that. Appreciate all of our great music today and uh, just the versatility of everybody. Isn't it interesting watching them go from the choir to the piano and then singing over here? We just have some wonderfully talented people. God's let us have here at our church, and I hope you let them know how much you appreciate them. Uh, before we have our preaching tonight, a couple of things I didn't mention this morning that I want to make sure I go ahead and put on your calendar. Uh, something a little bit unusual, two weeks from tonight, uh, after the night service, two weeks from tonight, I think that'll be the 23rd, uh, we are going to have an outdoor baptism, and uh, we're going to go down to the Black Creek, right, Brother AJ? Black Creek down, a little Black Creek. Uh, that's different from the big Black Creek, okay, in case you were wondering where that's at. Uh, but, uh, but AJ, Miss Sarah's family, Miss Sarah's dad has a, a nice sandbar down there, and we're going to have a baptism down there. Someone's asked to be baptized outside, and I knew if we did it on the Sunday morning service, we probably wouldn't get a lot of takers uh, because I keep you late and you're hungry, right? And so I said, we're not going to do it after that. We have good, good daylight after our evening service. It's a little bit cooler. And uh, we may even try to figure out how to do this ice cream thing. Because of this ice cream going on, maybe have the ice cream down on the sandbar. I don't know. We just, we're just really working this out as we go. Uh, but we're going to have a baptism down there. I'd love to have as many folks from the church as possible to come down and uh, support folks that want to be baptized, especially on the creek. Uh, my dad taught me years ago, number one rule of baptizing in a creek. You know what it is? Always baptize upstream. So those of you who can figure it out, let the other ones know. Uh, you try to baptize downstream, you're never getting them back up. Uh, they're lost again, all right? You have to get them saved again, now they're lost again. And it's hard having to chase somebody down that you baptize, boom, and they're gone down the river. So we're going to have a good time with that. That'll be two weeks from tonight. I want to encourage you. Uh, we'll try to get the address maybe, try to get the address out so everybody can come. Beautiful place. Uh, Miss Sarah's dad has opened that up to us. Beautiful sandbar right there in the bend of Little Black Creek. And we've had a lot of fellowships. Our couples fellowship was out there. I think some of our young people have been out there before and looking forward to a great time two weeks from tonight. And then don't forget, tonight is the, really the first night of our Sunday nights. Right after the service in the fellowship hall, we have ice cream for everyone. Uh, and uh, I do believe we have some keto in there, honey. I think I saw some floating around in there. I'm not eating the keto stuff. I'm eating all of those ketos and all of those uh, glutens. I'm eating them all. And if you don't want yours, I'll have your share. We're going to enjoy that together tonight in there. And I have got the niftiest, newest, most awesome ice cream scoop in the world. I can't wait for you to see it. Uh, I bought it just for this occasion. I've been saving it. And so we're going to get back there right after the service and have a good time with ice cream. But tonight we have a guest speaker coming in. And um, uh, we have jokingly uh, had made fun in the, in, the, in the office with AJ and I about, are we going to attempt to say Brother Joel's last name? Uh, no, I am not. Uh, so he is Brother Joel to me. Brother Joel is a good friend uh, of our church, and uh, not long ago they were here with his son raising support for the ministry that God's called them to. And if you ever wonder how a missionary gets to preach in the pulpit, uh, you got to wear LSU colors. That's the rule. And uh, he was willing to submit to that, and uh, what a snazzy jacket. I need to get one of those uh, to get a little bit more in style, but we're glad to have you here tonight. Brother Joel, come preach for us if you would. Amen. Uh, thank you and uh, good evening. I thank God for allowing us to be here, Pastor uh, Jeremiah Andrews, for being so gracious, uh, for allowing us to uh, not only to present the ministry, but also to minister to you the Word of God. But before I give a report regarding our ministry in Cambodia, I would like to introduce first the most beautiful woman in my life, Sister Maribel. Will you please stand up and for proof? Amen. <laughs> Amen. You, you can face them. Amen. Praise God. 
Amen. So I, I thank God. It's uh, her first time here in the States. And I thank God that uh, finally she accompanied me coming over here in the States. We actually celebrated our 33rd anniversary last April here in the States. And she celebrated her 58th birthday last June 10th also here in the States. Actually, she, she did uh, the longest birthday celebration because at that day we were traveling from Ohio uh, going down to Mississippi. So she celebrated her birthday on four states. So that's a very long <laughs> celebration. Anyway, uh, again, I thank God for uh, this opportunity that the Lord has given me. I thank God for this church because we have been partners in the ministry for more than 21 years. I started uh, to come here and uh, the church supported me during the time of Pastor Jerry George and the time of uh, Pastor Dean Miller. And then now the time of Pastor Jeremiah uh, Andrews, I, I really thank God for uh, uh, the faithfulness of this church in partnering with us over there in Cambodia. And I am always glad to give a report of what is going on in Cambodia. Uh, I'm not going to give any more statistics about Cambodia, but just share the ministry that happened uh, for 21 years that the Lord has been using us and our partnership for the people of Cambodia. So the ministry there has been going on for 21 years. And on my display board, I actually summarized the ministry in three chapters before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and then after the pandemic. The first 17 years was during uh, before the pandemic, and it was really a uh, blessed uh, ministry. The Lord has blessed that ministry so much, not only in numbers, but also financially that during the first 17 years, we were able to establish seven outreaches. We were able to send out a missionary back to the Philippines. We were able to conduct the first Southeast Asia Baptist Youth Camp, wherein uh, young people from 10 ASEAN countries gathered together in Cambodia and we ministered to them the word of God. And to God be the glory, during also that first 17 years, we were able to support 57 missionaries around the world. So that is how the Lord has blessed the ministry over there in Cambodia that we, I personally think that it will stay that way because that is uh, what we want. Everything uh, would be smooth, rosy, everything is uh, in the up and up. But then the pandemic happened and it really put a stop on the ministry over there in Cambodia because of the hard lockdowns and we were not able to meet. Uh, it's unlike here in the States, even though you have the pandemic, you still have that sense of freedom. You can decide if you want to wear masks or not, if you want to be vaccinated or not. But in Cambodia, we have no choice. If we do not want to wear masks and be vaccinated, then we have to be deported out of the country. So we have no choice. We were vaccinated four times over. So that is what we experienced over there. And we were uh, inside our home, cannot go out for summer stretches of uh, two weeks, a month or two months. And that is really, really very hard. And it actually brought the ministry back to almost the beginning because we have expat members there. But when the uh, pandemic hit, the tourism stopped and all of them went back to their own countries here in the States, in Europe and uh, Australia and other countries. And we were left with 17 stranded people. But praise God, during that time of plenty, we were able to save and use that to feed our people for a period of two and a half years during the entirety of the uh, pandemic. And then before the money was uh, depleted, the Lord again opened up Cambodia, and our people are now 
uh, working and by the grace of God, uh, again, contributing to the ministry uh, at this time. Uh, during the pandemic, if I may go back during that time, it was a time of uh, doom and gloom and discouragement and disappointment. But we refused to be discouraged. Uh, when I got saved in 1986, I learned that if you're a child of God, there is no way that you can be discouraged for a long period of time. Because God is powerful. God is able. We have the Word of God. The Holy Spirit can always comfort us. So even during the pandemic, I said, we shouldn't be discouraged and hold on to what the Bible says, that all things work together for good. When the Bible says all things work together for good, it simply means all things work together for good. It may be a death in the family. It may be you may lose a job or separated from your spouse or whatever it is, even COVID. There is something good that God wants to accomplish during that time. So instead of just whining and complaining and, and fretting, we started an online ministry. And by the grace of God, we were able to start 10 different online ministries like uh, soul winning via the internet, conferences, a, a daily a blog, a daily devotion, Bible Institute, online, and several other things that by the grace of God during the time of pandemic, we were able to reach more people than the first 17 years of our ministry over there in Cambodia. And the good thing is we ha now have two main ministries, our on-site uh, uh, ministry and our online ministry. And we've been... Uh, trying to improve on that because we were able to establish a contact from different uh, parts of the world, different people that are still studying with us uh, the Word of God. So now that the pandemic is over, that uh, we can rebound by the grace of God, we can start over again. But uh, there was again another setback that is actually the very reason why I am back here in the States. The last time I was here was eight or nine years ago and really... Pray to the Lord that I will not come back here in the States. It's not that I don't like the States. I, I like the United States of America. I like the churches. I like the people. I like the Christians. I like the pastors. We have a lot of American DNA even in our spiritual life. Like, for example, I, I, uh, my pastor was under an American missionary, Pastor Brother Bill Anderson from Springfield, Missouri. I graduated from a Bible college started by an American missionary, the Queenlands from Texas. So we, we, we love America, we love American people, American churches, but I have a condition, that's why I really do not want to come back. I am claustrophobic. I am not good in closed spaces. Whenever I'm inside an airplane, I hi hyperventilate, I panic, I, I, I want to shout, I want to stand up, I want to run, I want to jump, but they won't open the door. They just want me to sit down and relax, and they said that, uh, we will reach our destination. I know all of those things, but if you're claustrophobic, you cannot relax. There is no way that you can do that if you're inside a closed space. But I thank God that for the first time, my wife accompanied me and she comforted me. Especially that 15-hour flight from uh, Qatar to Dallas, Texas. But the problem now that I'm here, I don't want to go back <laughs> to Cambodia because I'll have to, again experience the same ordeal, 25-hour flight on air and uh, almost uh, a day or of a uh, layover in different uh, airports, but God is good. And number two, I do not want to leave our people for a long period of time because when, you, when you're in the ministry and you fell in love with the people, you just want to stay there and to spend your life 
with them and to serve the Lord together. It is very, very hard. Almost every day we have a Zoom meeting. We call them via the, all the apps that you can name, uh, Stream, uh, Google Meet, uh, whatever it is, uh, Meet on Cheese, and whatever it is. We just have to know what's going on and what is happening over there in Cambodia. But praise God, we are on our last month of stay here, and August 1st, we will be going back to Cambodia. Now, if I may go back, we are renting a place uh, that is uh, big, and uh, it's been uh, very useful for the ministry, because the ministry in Cambodia is uh, this, if I may explain this before I go to the Word of God, uh, there is still an anti-proselyting law. I mentioned that when I was here, and that law is still uh, in force over there in Cambodia. So we still cannot go to the people, we still cannot knock on doors, we still cannot distribute trucks, we still cannot uh, uh, stand on the street and preach the word of God. What must happen is that people must still come to us so that we will not be guilty of proselyting the people of Cambodia. So there are three ministries that we cannot do without. Number one, feeding ministry so that we can attract the children to come to us and share to them the word of God. Number two, since it is a tourist area, we are giving free English classes so that the young people and the young adults can come to us and minister to them the Word of God. And the number three is we provide medical help and uh, medicine to the old people so that they will come to us and we can minister to them the Word of God. So we targeted the three generations of Cambodia and these three ministries are ministries that we cannot do without. So the owner of the place had a stroke and they're selling the place. The price is $500,000. Well, with God, nothing is impossible. It's not going to even be hard. But we know that uh, we are in hard times. We know that things are not really that rosy at this time. So I am not in the persuasion that we will be able to buy the property. So we have actually four options that we are praying for and help us uh, pray for this. Number one, of course, is to buy the property for $500,000. Number two is to raise enough money so that we can move to the suburbs and rent a uh, much cheaper place but still big for the, uh, for the sake of the ministry and rent that for a long time, like 25 to 30 years so that if we're going to build something, we can use it before... Uh, at the time will lapse. And the number three, we're praying that we can buy a piece of land outside and then build the property over there, the facility over there. And number four, that the Lord will miraculously heal the owner of the place and decide against selling the place that we are renting right now. But either way, we are praying that the Lord will give us about $100,000 in order for us to do all of these things no matter what may happen. So those are the two reasons why I am here in America in order to raise for additional support because I lost about 35% of support during the pandemic and to raise enough money so that we can build enough facilities to continue the ministry because if not, then our, high, our hands will be tied until such time that we will be able to build this. So uh, I scheduled all my partners, partnering churches, supporting churches this month of July as my last month in order to uh, ask for your assistance, for your help to invest one more time in the ministry over there in Cambodia. Number one, why? Because that is God's work. Number two, it is our work 
we are partnering with that ministry for 21 years. And number three, because there are lost people in Cambodia that needs the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever help you can extend to us, we will appreciate that very much. And we will forever be grateful and indebted to each and every one of you. If you're able, will you please stand with me and open our Bibles in the book of First uh, Thessalonians, please. First Thessalonians, and I'm going uh, to read uh, chapter 1. You follow me silently from your Bible. And there is one more passage that we are going to go to, but you are very familiar with that. That is Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47, where uh, people got saved there and they continued uh, with the apostle as they study the word of God. And then the Bible says there that the Lord added to them daily such as should be saved. But here in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, the Bible says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Amen. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. I like that, in much affliction, but with joy of the Holy Ghost. So that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place uh, your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves shew of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Father, we're so thankful for tonight, for gathering us, Lord, in this place, that we may continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and make us worthy, O God, to be a vessel of the truth and principle from your word tonight. Lord, I beg you that you use me to be a blessing to your people and that your people, O God, will have an attended ear and an open heart, O God, to your word. And I pray, Lord, that after everything is said and done tonight, you alone will be lifted up and glorified and honored in our midst. I pray, Lord, if there is one or more who is not yet saved tonight, I pray, O oh God, that this will be the night that they will find salvation, O oh God, in their hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit. We thank you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much. So tonight we are going to study about what our churches ought to have. If we're going to look at the, uh, the two passages that I have mentioned, we can see here two churches with different backgrounds. The church in Jerusalem is composed mainly of the Jews, actually exclusively Jews. And then the church in Thessalonica were composed of mostly Gentiles. But there, is one there are many things that are in common when it comes to the churches 
of God. They, we may be in different places. We may have different backgrounds. But there are things that are in common when it comes to this truth. Number one, we have the same God. We have the same Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same salvation. As Jude verse number 3 says, the common salvation, my salvation is your salvation. And the same as the salvation of other people, we have the same word of God in 1 Timothy 2.15. And we have the same purpose, and that is to glorify God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31. That whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it for the glory of God. So we can find these churches, in these churches, the characteristics that our churches ought to have. You see, one thing is that these churches did something that made them great in the sight of God. These churches applied some principles that made them effective in the sight of God. And I believe with all my heart that if we will do the same thing, we are going to have the same result. Because when you do the same thing, it will yield the same result and do it again and again and again. And the same result will happen. So we can see that these churches had a very successful ministry. But sometimes we think, why is it that in our time, not so many churches are becoming successful in their ministering? Well, maybe the reason is that they are not applying those things that are written in this book. The Bible is very clear. It is our final authority. Whatever we do must be according to the word of God. We may think that we have a different way. We may think that we have a better way. We may think that this thing will work. But ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is, was here for a long, long time. It is the word of God, 100% word of God. And therefore, it is effective. And whatever God says, it will always happen. And according to the will of God. No, these churches are not perfect churches. They have their faults. And there is a saying, there is no such thing as a, new, a, a, a perfect church. And if there is a perfect church, and if you happen to find it, please don't join it. Because if you will do, it will cease to be a perfect church. So that is why, even though there is no perfect church, there is such thing as closer to the ideal. A church that is striving to be the kind of church that will glorify God. You see, that is the reason why we as churches of God must do things according to God's will so that we can work things only for the glory of God. You see, many churches today are divided. Many churches today are not seeing eye to eye. In, in many churches today, there is a wall uh, between uh, the, the pulpit and the pews. That should not be. Why? Because all of us are under God. And if we are going to obey God, our authority, then all of us will be in unity. Because there is only one book that we will obey in our lives. So I hope and I pray that is something that we are going to see. Why? We are living in a very, very bad time. America, your country, is being attacked left and right, up and down, in and out. And if you're not careful, all the things that you have seen and have used to here in America will go down the drain. 
And you see, sometimes we think, well, the government will bail us out. Well, the school will bail us out. Ladies and gentlemen, there is only one person who can bail us out, and that is God. And how can God bail us out? Through his people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. You see, many Christians are proud. Many Christians are boastful. Many Christians are looking at their achievements, not realizing that without God, there is nothing that we can do in this life. It is all about God's people. It's all about you. If there is a change that will happen in America, if America is going to be great again, you are looking at the people that can make it happen, the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ in this country. But if you will not do your job, then you can say goodbye to your prosperity. You can say goodbye to your freedom. You can say goodbye to, to, to all the things that you are used to. And that will happen. Why? It happened in Jerusalem. It happened in many countries. It can happen here. But ladies and gentlemen, there is hope. We have God. And we have the word of God. Amen. So by not going through the usual uh, greetings of the Apostle Paul, like grace and peace. You see, grace and peace are like Siamese twins. You cannot have grace without peace and peace without grace. So if there is grace, you will experience peace. And if you experience peace, it is only by the grace of God. So that is the favorite greeting of the Apostle Paul. And then in verse number 3, he said here, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Actually, these are the three things that our churches must have today. But Paul is always using these three uh, Christian virtues, and that is uh, what we say, uh, faith, love, and hope. He always used this. Do you remember 1 Corinthians 13, 13? He says, uh, faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest is charity, but here in Thessalonica, he put hope last. Because in, in, in Corinthians, at Corinth, what they need is love. Because these people are so-called Christians, but they hate each other. They have division. During Lord's Supper, the rich people are having a feast, and some are experiencing famine. They are trying to, to disregard and disrespect the Lord's Supper. They love themselves. They have their favorite pastor. I am a Paul. I am a Sipas. I am a Apollos. And then the spiritual, super spiritual uh, hypocrite says, we are of Christ. And Paul says, is Christ divided? No, Christ is not divided. So Paul says, hope, faith, hope, and charity. What you need is love. You need to love God. And if you love God, then you will love the people of God. Amen? But here, why is hope last? Because if you will notice, as we read a while ago, they are in great affliction. And they're having a lot of persecution in their place. And if you experience those things, you hold on to hope. That is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is when all of these things will end. And you will see your Savior face to face. And you will be with him in heaven. That's why Paul put hope last. But these three things, ladies and gentlemen, are what we need. 
Number one, a faith that works. Number two, a love that labors. And number three, a hope that endures. So this is what Paul says that these churches in Thessalonica, Macedonia, and Achaia have. They have a faith that works. You see, to them, faith is not just a matter of talk, but it is a matter of work. It is a matter of walk. You see, faith is abstract, and the only thing that people can see our faith is through our good works. So if you don't do anything, nobody will even know that you're a Christian. Nobody will even believe that you are a Christian. So these people have a faith that works. In Acts chapter 2, 42, the Bible says they attend church regularly and consistently. That is basic if you're a Christian. If you're saved, you will be always in this place during the Lord's day. Why? It is the day of the Lord. It is the day of the one who saves you. It is the day of the one who died for you. It is the Lord's day. It is not your day. It is not your family day. It is not your mother's day. It is not your father's day. It is not vacation day. It is not a work day. It is not any day. Sunday is the Lord's day. And that day must be given to God. So if we cannot even attend on the Lord's day, what can we do more for God? You see? That's why we are in this mess. Because there are Christians who do not go into this place and worship God during the Lord's Day. The pandemic happened. And you know what happened? They made pandemic as a reason not to come. Why? Because they can watch online. They can watch the streaming of the services. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are sick and you cannot come here, God knows. But my, if you can, why not come here? And worship God together with the people of God. This is the way we encourage each other. This is the way we exhort each other. This is the way that we help each other. That's why the Bible is very clear. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some. Thank God it's only some. Not forsaking. We need to be here. You know why? Because in uh, John chapter 4, 23... The Bible says, God the Father is looking for such to worship Him. Don't you know that every Sunday if you're saved, God is looking for you? Do you remember what happened when God healed the ten lepers? One came back, and then He says, where are the nine? You see? Where are the nine? I healed ten. Why only you? Where are the nine? How many did God save in this place? How many did God save in this church? Where are you? You know, sometimes this is the hard thing. Those that are attending are the one receiving the brunt of the sermon. And while those that are out that should receive the sermon are not even here. That's why they said it's unfair. You're angry at the people that are not here. That you shouldn't be angry at the people that are here. What's happening to the world? Amen. But that's how it is. It is a warning. Why? You might be thinking about it. And then it may, it might, it will deter you by the grace of God. So what we need today is a faith that works. A faith that will show that we are really God's children and at least show that in our attendance. You see, David 
is a man after God's own heart. And you know what David said in Psalms 122 verse 1? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. It is a day of joy and rejoicing. Why? We will be able to meet the people of God. Imagine one week you're with the children of the devil. And one day out of that week, you will be with the people of God to be recharged and encouraged. So that when you are with the people of the devil, you can witness to them about the love of God. That will change their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So they have a faith that works. And not only that, they have a love that labors. A love that labors. You see, there is a difference between work and labor. When you work, you, em you emphasize the results of the effort. But when you labor, you emphasize the pain and weariness involved in the effort. You see, that's why you say, uh, did you work? Oh, yes, you can be just easy, smooth. But did you labor? Oh, that's a different story. That's a different question. That's why it is very hard to look at a woman who is in labor. Have you seen your wife in labor? I have seen mine, and I hated it. No, she's always beautiful. But when, <laughs> when you're... <laughs> it's hard to look at that. But you have to do it. You have to endure it because there is something good that is going to come out of that. And as Christians, we need not just work for God, but we must labor for the Lord. No matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how dangerous it is, let's keep on keeping on why God will be glorified. You see, why did the Apostle Paul lab say, said labor of love? Because they're in deep affliction. Don't you know that the churches in Thessalonica are part of the churches in Macedonia when the Bible says, they were in deep poverty and deep affliction. But despite all these things, they were able to give and to keep on serving God. You see, that reminds me that Christians thrive through adversity. We thrive through adversity. They try to silence the Christian they grow more. They try to kill the Christians and more will be produced. They try to persecute the Christians. They will hide at the catacombs. They will do everything and they will keep on laboring for God. You see, that's our problem. We became so comfortable. We became so convenient. We were in one church that my wife said, I almost died. Well, maybe she's exaggerating. But let me describe it to you. We are not good in cold weather. Cambodia's weather is only three. Hot, hotter, hottest. That's, that's what we're used to. 100 degrees is something that is normal for us. So we were in one church in Mississippi, and that church has no walls open. We were there, evening service, very cold, and the wind 
is blowing. Imagine the wind chill during that night. As I was preaching, all I can see from the people are their heads because they are uh, blanket from their neck down, including my wife. And I was preaching, and they said that maybe I was a very uh, animated, but I am actually shaking because of the cold. And they gave me a, 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 a pair of gloves, and I do not know what to do with that glove. So I just continued preaching. And my wife is praying, Lord, make him stop, please. Oh, God, make him stop. Because it's cold. I cannot blame her. But you know, the place is almost full. It is packed with people. They have no walls. It's very cold. Evening. But you know, they were there. Because I presume they love the Lord. Because I presume they want to serve God no matter how hard it's going to be. Do not take any offense, my brother, brothers or sisters in the Lord. If we will knock the walls of this church, and we are in the middle of a very cold weather, when you be here and worship God, when all of these conveniences are gone, you see, I, I told myself, my, at least, at least, you can say that these people wanted to worship God. I'm not judging you, no. I know when it comes to that, if you really love God, you will do it. And you will prove it. Why? Because God love conquers everything. When you love God, then you, there is nothing that you cannot do for God. If you love God, then there is no hardship that you're not willing to take because of your love for God. You knew what God did for us. And if you love God, you will be more than willing to do that for God. But ladies and gentlemen, what we need today and what is lacking today in many churches is a love that labors for God. I have been up north. Almost few churches have evening service anymore. Few churches have prayer meeting. It's hard to find a meeting during these times. Why? They've just given up. They said it's not worth it. How can you say that it's not even worth it when you're doing it for God? They said people are not coming. It doesn't matter when you start the ministry, you and God alone. Do it again. You and God. Show the people that you love God. And that no matter what happens, you will keep on keeping on. And when the people see that and the Holy Spirit works in their hearts, then God will supply the people. That's what's happening in your country today. I thank God for churches like this. But there are many, many churches that are not laboring for the Lord anymore. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, you see, the devil will try to crush this church. The devil will try to destroy this church. I do not know what you are going through in this church. But let me tell you this. If you are not going to show your love for God and labor for God with love, then you are not going to survive what the devil is doing. You see, all the people here are God's children. We are on the same side. We need to love each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to keep on keeping on. 
Let God do His job. Let us just obey God. And labor with love for the Lord. And number three, it says here, they have a hope that endures. You know, God knows what is best for them. Even though they experience a lot of persecution, it is what God knew that they needed in order for their faith to grow. And that they will be able to, to uh, parry all the onslaught that the devil is doing against them. You see, God loved us so much. Amen. He gave his only son. We saw how the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. If you do not know, let me refresh your mind. He was there naked. No clothes. Naked in the sight of people. Wearing our crowns of thorns. Receive our scourges. Our nails on his hand and on his feet. He died an excruciating, agonizing death on that cross of Calvary. Why? Because of his love for you and for me. But you know, you summarize or put all this pain, physical pain together. It is nothing compared to what he experienced when he was hanging on that cross. When for a brief moment in time, unimaginably, Jesus says, my God, my God. You see, he's part of the Trinity. He's equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He's with them in heaven. But right at this moment, he says, my God, my God, why hast thou? Forsaken me. That time God the Father must turn his back on God the Son. Why? Because of my sin and your sin is carrying in his body. Why? Because of his love for you and for me. And ladies and gentlemen, with petty differences, we will destroy the church of God. Shame on us. How can we say that we are worthy? Of what he did for us on that cross of Calvary. And then we say that we love God. Prove it. Show it. Work. Labor for God. And then have a hope that will endure. You see, if you are not prioritizing God, you are just wasting your time. Let me tell you this. Solomon, the wisest man in the world. You know, sirs, what he found out? He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Did you hear that? The whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. He tried it with women. He tried it with wine. He tried it with riches. He tried it with power. He tried it with popularity. He tried it with everything under the sun. And he says, vanity of vanity. All is vanity under the sun. And he gave us the conclusion. Are you going to reinvent the wheel? Listen to him. Believe him. But missionary... How about the things that will make me happy? God knows what will make us happy. And he has already taken care of that. Because in heaven, the Bible says, I had not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared.
That's why he said, while we are here, work while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can work. Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Because there is a hope. If we will endure that one day, all of this will end. And one day, we are going to face the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to try our works here in this world. And then when they remain, he will look at you. And sir, he will tell you, welcome thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Imagine that moment. Imagine that time. Imagine the Lord Jesus Christ looking you in the eye and telling you, thou good and faithful servant. Imagine what you will feel on that day. But ladies and gentlemen, that is sometime in the future. That is why we have a hope that endures. But while we are waiting for that time, and while we are waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, let us have a faith that works. Let us have a love that labors. Let us have a hope that endures. Let our heart keep on singing. Let us carry on until the day that we see the Lord Jesus Christ, until the day that he will call us home. But ladies and gentlemen, until that day, let us keep on keeping on. Keep on serving God. Allow me to close with this. As I have said a while ago, there is only one hope that remains for America. And that is if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. And that they will turn, seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. He says, when that happens, then there is a price to pay. Then will I hear from heaven. And will heal their sins. Uh, keep, hear their prayers. And he will heal their land. When will that happen? When we learn how to humble ourselves before God. When we learn to seek His face. And when we learn to turn from our wicked ways. That is the time that God will heal us. And He will answer our prayer. And He will heal our land. Shall we stand up please? Every head's bowed.